one. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Smart Cities Chronicles, uh, your podcast for everything Smart Cities action, investment, and outcomes. Uh, my name is Adam Beck. Uh, I'm chained to the desk here during uh, the COVID-19 uh, pandemic new world that we all, uh, we're all experiencing. And uh, six, uh, 63, episode 63 today. Uh, and I'm delighted to have uh, Don Charples on the line uh, to bring us another episode of The Week in Data. Don, thanks for joining us. Total pleasure to be here. I know you're an avid listener of the Chronicles. Uh, now you're being featured. H- how does it feel? Oh, look, this is a <laughs> this is a moment. This is a you know of all the things that have happened in 2020 already. Uh, I this wouldn't want to highlight? pick too soon, but I mean, this could be it. Yeah, I, yeah, this could be it. No, well, well, well thank you. Um, you know how this goes. Who are you, and what do you do? Oh yeah, right. So I'm uh, I'm Don Sharples. Uh, I am the managing director of Altimeter Business Intelligence. And, uh, you know, I started the company a few years ago to bring data science in, to make it more accessible, I suppose, to government and SME organizations, particularly those who are kind of for purpose. And, uh, and there's been a pretty interesting journey since then, you know, intersecting with smart cities and a whole range of other things that organizations you know, can do with their data. Um, and I suppose I, I focus quite heavily on a sort of productivity side of that as well. So how do we get people doing smarter, more interesting jobs um, and, uh, and, and of things, of the, you know, things of that nature? And, and often with government and SMEs uh, in, my, in my particular space, it's about going and doing the first kinds of things that they've, they've done before with data science and really introducing those uh that the kind of capability into their organizations so it's really fun it's been good and obviously um interesting times we're, we're living in now we this is being recorded 27th of march 2020 um you mentioned the word smes small business is the economic yep. engine of not only our nation australia here but many others around the world can i start by kind of getting your thoughts, reflections, just where's your headspace at with the current global pandemic that we're kind of, you know, neck deep in right now? Yeah, I mean, look, it's, I think the thing to say, it's been a terrible week for a lot of people. Um, and there's, I, you know, I, I put a bit of a, I, I started, I think one of the positives maybe is that uh, particularly with a lot of us being locked up now in our in our homes or you know where, wherever that may be in somewhat semi isolation, um, there's been a lot of people who uh, have been actually you know t- reaching out, to calling mm. for help, uh, contacting one another just to check in or you know. But a lot of people have really serious dilemmas on their mm. on their minds, and uh, I feel that you know particularly in Australia we've had it good for a really long time. And so a lot of these problems are particularly novel for people, um, particularly those in small businesses. They're, um, they're looking at lots of operational difficulties, like can, can we even operate at all for some, uh, through to how do we get people online for, for others. And I've been surprised, uh, actually, to be honest with you, at how many businesses have been pretty unprepared for moving their workforce into a um, sort of virtual arrangement. Yeah, that was a 
that was a bit of a shock to me because I just assumed that was pretty much everyone I knew. Um, mm. But uh, there's been a lot of there's been a lot of positivity. People, you know, reaching out to one another, helping one another, uh, really, actually, genuinely having a spirit of we're all in this together. I think that's been probably uh, even more positive than I had thought it would be. Yeah. Uh, and of course, I think the thing that's been on my mind this week. Um, and this is not to do with data, but just to do with the situation that we're all living through, is um, often, you know, people really struggling with the dilemma of, of uh, how are we going to keep our staff on? Yeah. That's, I think that's been uh, a really big challenge for a lot of people. Um, and uh, it's time for some creative thinking. So yeah. Um, yeah. That's, some, that's something I've been counselling people on this week as they've been sort of going through well what do we do now yeah i i i uh i've noticed that um you know in this challenging time uh, you've made the decision to kind of uh open up and offer your counsel um your website you know you're up there saying you know contact me you know i'll give you an hour of my time here's my calendar book me in kind Mm. of thing took took me Talk me through that, and how's that going? It's been it's been really inspirational in some ways. Um, uh, it's great it's great to have people, you know, uh, not unafraid, I guess, to you know, I guess they're, they're doing it privately, but unafraid to kind of uh, make contact and and seek that assistance. I mean, you know, having having been uh, in manage, various management positions uh, and run various companies over my career. It can be a really uh, lonely place, um, particularly when you've got these really difficult decisions to make. And that's why I just thought, oh, you know, th- we need we need some kind of outlet for this because there's going to be a lot of people out there who almost want to have a fairly confidential discussion, even just to get it off some things off your chest, yeah. and even just express how concerned you are without letting you potentially, you know, your staff or your board or whoever it is that that you need you need to be that uh you know that strong voice for no you know you just need to talk to someone mm, yeah <laughs> and that's yeah. really the intention yep. of that obviously yeah. you know it's good for people to know they're not completely on their own as they try to work out what to do yeah yeah and, and for our listeners um just to sort of plug into your browser and 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 jot down uh, on your notepad, uh, you can reach out to Don. His website altometerbi.com. A l t o m e t e r b i dot com. Um, so okay, um, thanks thanks for that intro, Don, and, and and sharing up front. Let's um let's jump into this. This is the week in data. Yeah. Uh, one sort of simple kind of question: What have you seen, read, or heard about data that you might want to share with us? Well, I was uh, I was thinking to myself, you know, shocking week for humanity on uh, on virtually all levels. Mm. Great week for data. Awesome week for data. Wow, you yeah. have to say, awesome week for data and awesome week for memes. Yeah. Um, oh, that's yeah. <laughs> probably kept everybody afloat this week. Yes. Um, uh, since they're they're just being shared every probably ha- every half hour with me at the moment. Always, I haven't had any overlaps yet. There's that many being created out there. But I think data has been. Um, I, I'm absolutely loving the injection of health data into everybody's consciousness this mm. last couple of weeks, to the point where everybody you can mention the curve. 
to people and most people at least in my world know exactly what it is mm. I've, I've been winning arguments by just sending people images of the curve the curve you know yeah so um that's been that's been pretty cool I, you know to me um there's sort of two two types of these things there's there's the kind of reportable updatable um some would say uh you know, compulsively refreshable. I think you might have mentioned it before. There's these hotspot maps of, you know, from John Hopkins showing the, you know, particular areas where certain cases are being reported. Um, I think everyone now has seen these infection trajectories as well as half a dozen different ones of those, like the 91 DIVOC, so COVID-19 backwards. Yeah, yeah. Uh, or, or the FT kind of, our world and data, I think, has had over a million visits uh, in the last few days, um, showing these kinds of things. And and it's the nice thing about it, as someone who's a former, you know, communicator as well, is that there's all of these different tools now to to help people actually understand what's going on. Mm. Um, and I, I think that's been relatively comforting um, amid a lot of the confusing conversations we've been having. Mm. That there are these you know, it's it's actually shown how imp- how how important centralized and well curated data can be. Yeah, yeah, I um uh, I, I agree with all that. Um, what what's interesting, however, is the speed at which things are unfolding. Um, yeah. and I, I I kind of I mean I'm hanging around Twitter a little bit more at the moment because that's kind of more real time. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's going to be interesting to see when we come through this, which we will, um, of course, I think there'll be a greater appreciation of data, but um, uh, I was chatting with an economic development manager from a a capital city in Australia yesterday, and they got a pretty good data sort of set up going on. They've got some, some good live or well, you know, yeah, real time data coming in on, on uh, traffic movements, pedestrian footfall, within main streets and the CBD, you know, trying to sort of get a sense of impact on small business and closures and things like that. Um, But the, uh, but because it's happening so rapidly, um, the, the, the sort of the lag time between the insight created from the data and then the ability to then sort of the feedback loop into policy or regulation or decision-making is is kind of struggling to keep up. Um, I, I, I just, I just wonder, there'll be this greater appreciation for sort of more real time data. I think maybe when we get through this, any, any thoughts to that, that sort of uh, topic? Yeah, no, I think that's, I think that's actually right. Like obviously um, many of us probably would have been having discussions with each other about what elements of this crisis will be, um, you know, persistent, well, you know, what behavior changes will be persistent. Um, certainly I do hope there is greater, um, awareness and uh an interest in what data can provide uh one of the things which i did read this week uh and admittedly i need to do more reading on um but you know an article in the conversation um from a um a, a korean academic talking about how the situation dealing with the virus was managed in korea i thought was really fascinating because obviously the story certainly that i've heard is that a lot of Asian countries, uh, you know, did the right thing by 
locking down very hard and very fast. And yeah. the story was, well, this has all been enabled because for them, uh, many years ago now, uh, MERS and SARS were much more serious for them and they've learned how to mm. deal with this. Mm. Uh, the interesting part of the story, which I don't think has been told quite so well, and, and again, I would like to also spend some more time verifying the degree to which this is uh, uh, fair and accurate, is that there also seems to be much more real-time tracking of the population. So yes, this story in particular was about the fact that in Korea, you must register a phone to a real person, and then there is, in fact, uh, knowledge of where these phones are. So members of the population uh, can, in fact, at any time be targeted. And one of the things, well, tracked, they can know exactly where you are. Um, they're also using credit card uh, transactions uh, and matching the two to say, all right, it's very, very likely that uh, that Adam was here on this particular time and, and here's the trail of where he's been because uh, we know where he's been spending money and where his telephone's been. And this has actually uh, had the positive effect of saying, well, when we wanted to find infected people and who they've been in contact with, we can absolutely mm. do that. Yeah. And we have a scalpel rather than a hammer to hit mm. the whole of society with. And I think one of the decisions we will likely want to make is, do we want to, because this is going to happen again. I was talking to my 90-year-old grandfather last night um, over the phone safely. Uh, and, you know, he was saying, oh, look, I've lived through dozens of epi epidemics. You know, he went through polio and uh, various influenzas and all sorts of things over the years. Uh, he said, this one's different, uh, but surely there will be others, you know, mm. and, and there'll be other different types of crises. For, for God's sake, we've had dozens uh, here in what feels like dozens here in Australia already mm. in the last six months. And it's only March. Um, but it's only March. Oh, <laughs> so yeah. I think we, I think one of the, one of the points that this, that this academic made was that, you know, you've got your choice over what kind of freedoms you want to limit. Um, you can either monitor people's movements um, and maybe expose too much of their, you know, day-to-day -day activity, and that's a one limitation on people's freedoms. Or you can go the way the Italians have done and that we are likely to go, which is that we limit everyone's movement. And so you've got a real choice um, between these two things. Um, and how will we decide that we want to cope with that in the future uh, is going to be quite an interesting question, I think. Yeah. yeah, certainly the the data is there already, and the technology is there already for us to do exactly as the Koreans have done, if in fact that is what they've done. Yeah, Don, as a data guy, do you do you have a particular um, favorite data set or data source in times like this, or and or? Is there something that you'd really like to know now, i.e. have a data set about something that that we don't have? Oh, that we don't have? Yeah. If you could know anything right now, what would it be? Well, it's funny you should say that because one of the things that I had been wanting to know about and literally in this last two weeks has come now into my life um, is something that I'd want, been wanting to know about for a really long time. And um, 
and I've been I've become and I've been working with a lot of my clients on profiling um, over the last couple of years. So, in some ways, what what we do is we look at um, we profile people by their behaviour. What do they do? What can we observe them doing? And how can we group them and uh, and then either you know usually help them by um, assessing how they behave and then reacting to that. Um, then we, we can then after that we also added another layer, uh, something that's also been around for a very long time in the commercial world, which is psychographic profiling. So then you say, oh, what are people doing? Okay, cool. And then then you know what's their kind of um, consumer profile? What what do they? What can we infer about them because mm. we know what they buy and what they spend their money on, and you know who they might vote for and all those sorts of things? And we can know that stuff about everyone in Australia right now. Um, yeah. The thing which I'd been curious about was because I'm also um, very interested in psychology and um, uh, my undergrad is actually in that and I always wondered about well what are, what are people's values and what are their what are their thinking processes in all, in all of this too because it's one thing to try and uh, you know you, you can infer certain things from what people what people buy and uh, you know what they spend their disposable income on but what what do they really think about the world and and what's um what's a useful you know kind of uh, thought uh, prism in which to approach people through? Um, how do they perceive the world? So one one particular measurement of this is um is something called power distance. Um, the do and the and I guess the 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 real uh, example of this is to say, do you feel like you individually are the person that has the agent the ultimate agency over you and your family and make the and you're the one that makes the right decisions the best decisions for them or do you believe that that agency sits with other authorities like mm. government like the government you know at, there are the kind of polar extremes of this and so when we're talking to someone who has either close or very far power distance we would approach them in entirely different ways about how to communicate with them and what kinds of um what kinds of solutions they are happy to accept in their life. And so that was one of the things that I'd been really looking out for. Where, mm. where is that? Yeah. Uh, how can we be really um, as clear as possible when it comes to how we communicate with people the right way to go, for example, the right way to get people to behave in a moment of crisis like this. And, yeah. Um, it's it's been really interesting to me, for example, the number of people I know who are, they are the agent, they are the one with with the power in their lives, who have been the difficult ones to convince of the right behaviours at a time like this. Whereas I'm sure that there are lots of other people who trust the government, and when the when they came out and said, "Please go ahead and stay home," mm. they did it. You know, without question, they would have gone. Okay, great. You you guys make the call. That's fine. Whereas I, I've, you know, at the opposite end of the spectrum, you've got very um, highly educated, uh, worldly people going. Oh, that doesn't apply to me. <laughs> I can <laughs> still I can still have my mates over, can't I? Yeah, you know? yeah, that's right. I'll go to Bondi. Uh, how do you think small businesses? Is, is sort of coping with this, and I, and, I, and I don't mean you know, of course, that they're getting gutted and it's tragic, but um. Um, I, I heard a statistic yesterday that I think it was the number of new Facebook 
business page Facebook signups has kind of like really rocketed because they're scrambling to kind of have a have a digital presence now and, and get online and and yep. sign up to you know the, the the delivery services and things like that. I mean, this is that they've kind of just been instructed what to do in some way, haven't they? And sort of scrambled to respond. I feel like it's been really cool to see in a lot of ways. Um, you know, necessity being the mother of invention, and this is the time for innovation, isn't it? Mm. I mean, and that's often been said about um, recessions generally, never mind, um, you know, crises of this scale, um, which is well beyond just the recession that we surely will have. But, you know, like, I think it's been really interesting to watch. Um, and certainly that's some, one of the things that, as I've been having these calls with people, one of the questions is, well, how do I just stay in business? And rather than let's make a plan and, you know, think about it, they are just getting out and doing it. And that's really good to see, you know, like that, that's the kind of behavior you wish people just had all the time <laughs> in yeah. a lot of ways. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and particularly because it's stuff that, you know, if you, if you'd said, Hey, why don't you think about doing this two or three months ago, they would have said, that's absolutely crazy. I'll never do that. And now it's like top of the agenda. Let's give this a try. Um, and so, yeah, the number of conversations I've had with people about how, what, what kinds of new services or how can we provide what we did do in a totally different way? Should it be a product or a service now? Uh, you know, at what degree of pivot are we actually going to have? Uh, has been like really impressive, I think. You know, yeah, I, I, Some of it's been quite successful. I, I've now uh, been alerted to three different um, companies uh, uh, brewing and distilling companies who've, <laughs> who've pivoted from, from, uh, well, they're, they're still of course making their core product, you know, beer or alcohol gin or alcohol, <laughs> but they're, but they're, they're pivoting to hand sanitizer, sanitizer. um, sure. creation. Yeah. I mean, um, talk about pivot and, and adapting. I mean, that's just insane. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I, I, we had a bit of a session with a photographer, uh, last week. Uh, you know, he's got a small studio. Oh, yeah. And you go, all right, right, wow, okay, yeah, you actually need to be out on site and have people come to your studio or yeah. that's going to stop happening. Yeah. And uh, we, we sat down for about half an hour at the whiteboard and came up with literally a dozen, two dozen things that he m might want to give a try in the next few weeks, uh, all the way from from teaching um, and teaching editing and all of these other things, you know, through to other types of services or products that he could, that he could, you know, work on in the next, in the next few months. I don't know which one of them are going to stick, but these, these, um, these processes of, I'm, you know, I've always been interested in, in innovation as a, as a process within, within businesses and mm. these kinds of things, these kinds of in, like innovation processes where you, use you know become necessary in a time like this but actually we should be thinking of them all the time yeah there are the there used to be uh, in, the, in the business I, I last ran for sure um, a particular planning session that we would run every year where we would review the work we did and we would ask two main questions mostly one was what are the things that we're doing that our customers are annoyed about and what are the things that we do on a daily basis that we're really annoyed about? Yeah. <laughs> Let's stop yep. doing them. 
Yes. Right? Yes. <laughs> let's 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 actually find a way, and and we were going to make time, and every year we're going to come along, and we're going to identify these annoying things, and we're going to commit to getting rid of two or three of them every year, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. in doing that, our jobs will be better, and our customers will like us more, and. And it really worked, you know. It was- yeah, I and I think there's going to be so much of that in in sort of the yeah. coming months and and in the the entire post mortem when we eventually get around to doing this. Um, hey, Don, last question. Uh, I'm going to throw this one at you. I, I think it's an exciting one. You've got no idea what I'm about to say, and right. I apologise in advance for putting you on the spot. But let's see how this goes. <laughs> okay. So so, um, you're part of the team that's working with federal government to come up with a stimulus package. And the stimulus package is around data. Throw on the table some of your ideas around the data stimulus package for the nation. What are the types of things you'd Great throw on question. the table? Thank you. So, and you've got 30 um, seconds to answer it. <laughs> I'm only yeah, kidding. good. I'm only kidding. No, no. Oh, okay. Right. Um, I was up for the challenge. Um, so, so this is a, this is the thing that's really come up for me probably over the last twelve months in particular, um, which is that uh, look, and, and I'm sure this is this is actually a thing that's really sort of really relevant to smart cities mm. is that there's been in my view, um, and look, this is just my my opinion, and I have a lot more evidence to collect around this, but there's been at times a disconnect between technology vendors and. Uh, the people who are buying that technology, whether they be public sector or private sector. Um, because what you've got is some very smart people who have gone away and thought up of some really, really clever solutions. And then they're, they're going around to all and sundry and saying, hey, you could, you could go from all of these, you know, um, I don't mean unintelligent, but just, you know, the opposite of smart, you, all of these dumb things that you're doing, and we could be starting to do really smart things, right? And for me, the leap is too far in a lot of cases. The leap from the things that we're doing now to the things that are actually possible is too far. And um, I think there's also another disconnect in the fact that we've also got some technology providers who don't necessarily understand the pressures that public sector organizations have in that. and sometimes I use the use the car analogy or the you know the black box analogy with all of this sort of stuff. But you know, basically, you're saying let's go from what we're doing now to the you know all matte black, fully kitted out S class Mercedes version of what you could be doing. When there are pressures on, and so and the and the and the reason why that analogy is because that car is perfect it's the very edge of technology it's amazing also you can't even open the hood and work out what's going in it Mm. so there's i think in some ways what we need to do is organize some meaningful steps to getting to that perfect spot Mm -hmm. and so when i think about my first car and um for and for me it was it was a little honda where i could open open the bonnet and see the, the four cylinder engine running and I could see if there was a problem or an oil leak. And even if I couldn't quite fix it myself, I could at least point the mechanic to it and go, there's the issue. Um, I think that there's a, there's a number of steps that need to be taken with 
um, with government and with SMEs to kind of get them onto the ladder of using their data better and, and getting that capacity up um, to the point where one day they are in fact driving the S-Class Mercedes. So my, my, does, I guess that, my does, idea, that happen, does that happen in any way at the moment? No. Well, you, it's up well, to you. Yeah. It's up to you, right? I mean, you, you can go and educate yourself um, and, but if you want. Or you can try and hire people in. But one of, the, one of the problems that I've been hearing from people, of course, is they will go and hire a, someone, in some cases, like a team of analysts. You know, we'll, we'll go and hire, uh, you know, at 150 grand a pop, we'll go and get five business analysts and they can come and tell us what to do with our data. And then in six months, they're leaving because mm. they've had nothing meaningful to do and the management's totally annoyed with them. Mm. And we've got, what we've got is a real disconnection between um, what the management understands that they are doing and what the technicians understand that they are doing or would like to do. And it's frustrating for everybody. And so we've got a, we've got a, a capacity building problem in a, lot of, in a lot of places that I've had the you know, opportunity to sneak behind the curtain of. Mm. Um, and I, that's where I think we could probably make the biggest inroads. Um, yeah. Where, where you've got um, professionals of all kinds who, you know, through no fault of their own, you know, as, as, we've all, as we all know, the rate of change that we're all dealing with is incredible, but don't even know what they don't know. Um, it's, it's actually, um, it's really difficult to bring experts into your business and um, give them a fair crack at stuff from time to time. So yeah. there's a capacity building thing there where I think we could, we could actually do it. I think we could actually go from a lot of companies being fearful of doing anything with their data to rather than jumping to perfect, um, there's got to be some steps on the way uh, mm. to, yeah, to increasing, increasing that capacity. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, the, 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 I, I imagine there would, I hadn't thought about this. You've just prompted me to think, you know, that, that, that there'd be tons of small businesses out there just scared of data as well, right? Um, it's just too hard, I think. Yeah, and it sounds costly. So, yeah, sounds yeah costly. And, it, and it is. I mean, who do you even yeah. call about it, right? So, yeah, yeah. you know, I've often said, like, you, I, I got involved in a Queensland government project um, at the at Christmas last year where they put the call out to, so they told us, the big, the big four consulting firms and then this other consulting firm that I, I have a close relationship with and they were the five that they put this urgent work you know, request out to. And the big four all turned to them and said, we don't want to do it. Um, and they were willing to pay, you know, and they realized they had this big problem and it mm. needed to be solved very quickly. And allegedly the story was, they didn't want to do it. We ended up with the job. We did it for them. Um, but they had to kind of be almost at crisis point themselves to yeah, go, yeah, yeah. how much money is it going to take for us to solve this? And who do we even ring? Yeah. The only people we would know to call at the big end of town. Um, and so, yeah, there's a whole market to be developed, I think, around this and around getting, you know, um, small and medium businesses just slightly off, off the ground. Uh, as it as it were, from um, you, you know the basics of uh, even just understanding and describing the data they have, 
mm. and then mm. and then on the path to actually doing process improvement um, eventually towards automation. Um, I'd like to say, you know, we've I think we've done a few good jobs of this from time to time, um, but never automated anybody's job yet. You know, like uh, I don't think people even should be scared of that kind of stuff. Uh, in fact, like you know, I'd proudly say the only thing we've done in terms of automating is is made people's jo jobs better and more yeah. enjoyable. Yeah, yeah. But, so, there, so there's a whole lot of things which I think people are, are scared of, um, mostly the things that they don't understand, um, uh, which they could, and it's, you know, um, it's typically not as complicated as perhaps uh, some make it out to be. And then, you know, there's other, there's other issues like, um, you know, automation and job losses, which I, I think actually there's a whole lot of positives there, which are, are not spoken about probably nearly as much as they should be. Mm. Yeah. That, that, that's going to be an interesting conversation sort of at the right time as we start to come out of this, isn't it? But I mean, that could be, yeah, that could be another rabbit hole. We, we, we go down. Um, Don, um, we got, we got to call things to a close there. Um, thanks. Uh, thanks so much for, um, for, for joining us and, and for our listeners, as I mentioned uh, earlier on, um, whilst many uh, at this time uh, are trying to sort of sell solutions uh, to help with the crisis, uh, Don's, uh, Don's opened up, up, up his calendar for folks that want to um, at no charge uh, ha have a chat, uh, whether it's about data or, or other things, um, you can head to his website, uh, altometerbi.com, A-L-T-O-M-E-T-E-R-B-I. Dot com. Don, I have noticed on your website here, you've said while we get through the next few weeks of this stinking virus outbreak, <laughs> et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I think that you're going to have to update that. Yeah, I think this is, and, and I know that you probably did this when we had no idea what, what it was or how long it would last. But um, I wanted to just, um, you know, ha I mean, hat tip, hat tip for you for, for putting your calendar up on the website there and uh, being willing to, to be an ear for people to chew on or a shoulder to cry on or, or whatever it might be. So, um, uh, you know, I, I really, uh, I, I'm really, um, you know, genuinely, um, you know, saying thanks to allowing uh, those that, that might need some, uh, uh, some some thoughts and ideas and, and support at this time for, for you to do that. So um, congrats and, and thanks so much for joining us on the Smart Cities Chronicles. It's been a delight, Adam. Anytime. Thank you. Uh, and for our listeners that aren't subscribing to the Chronicles, uh, head to the place or platform uh, where you get your podcasts. You'll find us there, the Smart Cities Chronicles. You can also head to our website smartcitieschronicles.com. Uh, my name is Adam Beck, the host. Uh, we look forward to bringing you another episode very soon. Stay healthy, stay safe, and uh, show compassion. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, everyone.